Welcome to the inside. In Hollywood this week, people were repeating the legendary line from Jaws 2, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. After steady progress in beating down COVID, many had hoped for smooth sailing for the rest of the summer. But with the Delta variant on the rise, insiders were concerned that the new strain of COVID could also strain the box office. And all agreed that this is a movie that needs a happy ending. On a happier note, as millions watched their national teams on television competing for gold medals at the Summer Olympics, the 73rd Annual Primetime Emmy Award nominations were announced, with Disney's WandaVision scoring 23 nominations and Apple TV's Ted Lasso getting 20 nominations to win gold Emmys. I'm Jim Chabot in Los Angeles, and with me is the co-host for this series, Wim Byans. He serves as CEO of Cineonic, and he joins us live from Brussels, Belgium, where it is evening. Good evening, Wim. Hey, good morning to you, uh, Jim. Wim, everybody's trying to get back on track and open. The Delta variant here is presenting an issue with folks who have not been vaccinated. How is the situation in Europe right now? Well, I think that the, everybody's facing the same threat a little bit about, you know, uh, not that it's, uh, the numbers are going a little bit up of people getting infected, uh, but I think it still stays very much under control. What we see is that that vaccination is going relatively um, smooth at the moment. And we see that in Europe, many people uh, are going for the vaccination. So, so we hope that continues in that way. Well, Fast 9 is crossing over the $600 million mark worldwide. Absolutely, Black Widow's yeah. over $300 million uh, worldwide. But the second weekend of Black Widow was a little blah. The numbers weren't as high as they had expected for a, for a Marvel movie. And there's a fair amount of speculation that people, either because of COVID or other reasons, stayed home and watched it on flat screen TVs. Do you get a sense that there's a lot of experimentation going on from the studio standpoint? What's happening? Well, I think it, COVID is, is inviting, um, I think, a lot of experimentation to happen, right? And I think it's good that, that the industry is experimenting because that's the only way we know things, by trying things. Uh, on the other hand, I think we all do know that an experience going to the theater is different than being at home, right, on the television. So, so I think it's a little bit, you know, the jury's in doubt. So I think it's a great movie and, and uh, they did a great job. But overall, I believe if the first, if you look at the first weekend, Getting so much out of box office and getting so much out of streaming just shows that you, you got followers, right? And so I think that it, it is too early to make, you know, conclusions, trends and all that. But I do believe we need to keep on experimenting. And I do think we need to keep on supporting getting it on the big screen because uh, it, it does look different on the big screen, right, uh, to be honest. so It's a different experience. Absolutely. Uh, we want to send out our special congratulations to our colleague, Matt Shackman. Uh, he was our guest just a few weeks ago, yep, yep. and he talked about his role directing WandaVision and being the creative director of the Geffen Playhouse here in Los Angeles. It was announced this week that WandaVision has been nominated for 23 Emmy Awards, including a Best Director for Matt. Wow. And if that were not enough, J.J. Abrams announced this week that Matt will be the director of the new Star Trek movie for Paramount Studios. That's right, yeah. And we've got an incredible show today. First, we're going to go behind the scenes of Ted Lasso, the runaway hit show from Apple TV, which was just honored with 20 Emmy nominations, 20. And later in the show, we'll check in with our colleague Matt Kanegi in Las Vegas to find out how the casinos and the shows and entertainment industry are all getting back to normal. First up, speaking of Ted Lasso, we are thrilled to welcome Kip Kroger. 
He is one of Hollywood's most active producers, serving in senior roles on shows including Roseanne, The Connors, Falling Skies, and now the Emmy-nominated Ted Lasso, starring Jason Sudeikis and co-written with him by Bill Lawrence. The show is scoring an amazing 96% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's the highest-rated show on Apple TV. It began its second season this week. He joins us today from the lot at Warner Brothers. Welcome, Kip Kroger. Hey, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great. It's great to have you, and, and congratulations on the Emmy nominations. It's fantastic. Also, here is Rami Katrib, founder and CEO of Digital Film Tree. The company is a behind-the-scenes partner to productions including NCIS, The Umbrella Academy, Manifest, and, of course, Ted Lasso. Hi, Jim. Hi, Wim. Hi, Kip. Kip, 20 Emmy nominations, right? Wow. How does it feel to be celebrated, right? To have a celebrated show like this? How does it feel? That's surreal. Uh, you know, look, I've been I've been really lucky to work on a lot of shows uh, that I enjoy watching, you know, and, and my parents enjoy watching them, which is always nice. Uh, but it's not, it's, it's such a rare thing to to work on something that that gets this sort of recognition and uh, and works its way into sort of the the appreciation of of the wider audience um, and to be any kind of part of that is is a really neat neat feeling. And by the way, I just have to say, I remember when we saw the dailies for like the first few episodes, we were like, "What is this?" Um, <laughs> so you could never imagine uh, what was about to happen. And it, and it's the highest rated show, the highest viewed show on Apple. It's just That's insane. Just, isn't that wonderful? I mean, well, it's, it's it's fantastic. No, it's when mind I first met, yeah. When I first met Kip, I was on Scrubs. What what's really incomprehensible is we were touting this thing called Final Cut Pro way back when, and Scrubs was the first TV show that used this desktop application, and that was Apple, right? And here we are some 20 years later, and Apple is producing content, and we just happen to be working on a show that's this popular. What has changed into production now compared to before? Is there a new normal, what you see today, from a production point of view? I will say that the process is adapting, you know, and the industry has always been a little bit, um, thankfully, on the cutting edge of everything, and I feel like a lot of that is led in a funny way by post-production because we live in the sort of technology of how to do things differently with what we've got. And the degree of remote collaboration has become a focal point. You know, it went from something that people were entertaining on different shows to a focal point of a absolute necessity just to continue producing content. Do you find that you have more time in the day because you're all working from home? Rami? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think so. My sense from talking to a lot of people, including conversations Kip and I have had, and I think people have adapted in a way where they're more productive than they were before. And also they're controlling their time, right? Whether it's at home or at the office. And I think clearly this will be a mixture of people being at home and in professional spaces, especially production. Production has to take place. But that whole ecosystem that surrounds production, I think that's going to be very variable. And what I'm sensing is people will have more say right. in how they 
construct their time. So when you're doing a meeting, where's your director physically? Wherever they want to be. Okay. (laughs) And, And your producers are? Same. You mentioned some of your team in London. Uh, our production team's all in London, yeah. Yeah. So if you're doing, uh, is it a Zoom call? Most of the time these days, yeah. Right. And you're reviewing, you're reviewing, you're looking at footage, you're looking at, at visuals while you're discussing it through, and everybody goes back with their assignments? Yeah. I mean, we're able to do collaborative editing sessions over Zoom these days or over Evercast if that's, you know, what the flavor of the week is. Um and it all it all kind of ties back though to the same idea of allowing the flexibility to do the same things we've been doing. You know, it's it's just a different experience um, from the from the layer of producers, uh, editors, artists, sound design, all of that kind of stuff. You know, we now do sound spots with fifteen people, including you know Jason or Bill and director editors sound team and everything else over zoom discuss the whole show in detail and then we go off and we mix it virtually remotely 18 months ago right uh, processes were different how does an actual set look like today right how does that how should we visualize that um, without seeing the bottom halves of people's faces <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest that's the biggest uh, I think change. Uh, that has held, you know, through all of the uh, shifts and adaptations and different guidelines and changing circumstances over the last year, masks are the most universal standard part of it all. You know, there was first there was people scrubbing every surface people touched and, you know, doing all of that. Then there was distancing, you know, maps and all that kind of stuff, which still are worth considering, you know, and still an important part of trying to manage it, but the mask part and getting used to reading people's expressions as we all do now, just in the eyes has become just uh, status quo. When I look at, at the, on the actor side, right? Uh, how have actors and performers have been affected by those changes? Well, I think that the actor and performer place, I think is a very vulnerable one. Um, and the amount of respect I think that so many of us behind the scenes have for them is is huge because they take the biggest risk. You know, they're the ones that take off their masks with 150 people around them yeah. and and still deliver the performances that, you know, affect us all so much. So the level of respect, I think, that those of us behind the scenes have for them has only grown in watching them continue to manage whatever anxieties they may be feeling and still deliver these performances day in and day out. What what about post-production and, and how is that different? The funny thing for something like post-production was such a uh, an awakening for us when we had the premiere for Ted Lasso last week. We were able, luckily they had it in Los Angeles and so our post-production uh, team was able to attend. And as we all kind of started showing up, you realize this is the first time we've seen each other in person in nearly a year and a half. (laughs) And it was a very surprise, you know, it's because in production, everyone still had to show up and do the job on set together every day. But post due to technology and the flexibility we've created in that, most of us camped out in our homes, created a new workspace and kept working. We should say that there is a series of uh, podcasts that are all about the production end of Ted Lasso, and it's called The Drop, and it's available 
from Digital Film Tree and anywhere you get your podcasts. But Rami, I want to ask you something because during the pandemic, there was an army of post-production houses like yourself who are working together in ways that they've never worked together before. How's it been cooperating with other companies in order to get these productions finished? The thing that's most striking to me, uh, especially on Ted Lasso, is the amount of interaction we have now with other host vendors. I, I've been using this term co-opetition, but you know, before it was more uncommon to have a chit chat with another post house and compare notes, but Kip has always encouraged that. You know, we do visual effects on Ted Lasso, but so does Barnstorm and others. And now we're friends with them. They even, some of them came to our Christmas party pre-COVID. Um, so it was already going in that direction, but now it's much more distinct. Um, when we did previs pre for their soccer scenes for Lasso, they were utilized by another post house like Barnstorm. That's really cool. I think that's different than post has been before. You know, I've been in this for 22 years and, and it's felt differently at the beginning, middle, and now, but post always had this posture where like, Hey, we're, we're special in how we do this or that. I think now it's more about collaboration to solve bigger problems because the problems we're facing in terms of, you know, productions being all around the world, like, how is that all going to work out? Well, I think it's going to be through this greater uh, interaction with post people. Can you imagine, uh, do you foresee changing the program uh, back as COVID recedes from the from the picture? In parts, yeah. We, we've all talked about lamenting the... Um, the diff the subtle differences in collaborating in an editing bay you know in person it's just different right we can get a lot done on zoom and jason and bill are extremely efficient and committed to just getting the job done whatever it takes but there is a huge difference between sitting in a room with an editor and talking through things than there is doing it on zoom it just is it's an intangible thing the same thing on being on a mixed stage or in a color correction bay. You can deliver these things to us remotely and we're able to to get it done. But it, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to do a final pass of all of those things in a room with somebody. Our insiders today are producer Kip Kroger and digital film trees, Rami Katrib. We'll be right back. The Insiders is proudly presented by Cineonic. Cineonic's future-ready enhanced service and technology solutions provide compelling cinema experiences, peace of mind, and financial flexibility. Today, with more than 90,000 projectors installed globally, over half of the world's cinemas are illuminated by Cineonic. Visit Cineonic.com and discover why theaters look to Cineonic to provide the solutions of tomorrow today. Our insiders today are Kip Kroger and Rami Katrib. So Kip, we've seen many directors at work, or better, you have seen many directors at work. What, in your opinion, does characterize a great director? What do they have in common? Oh man, that's, that's, a, that's a challenging one. I mean, we've, we've been really lucky to work with some very talented directors. Um, you know, 
so much of it, I think, is is a, a just a passion for storytelling and a unique eye for how to get there. And that's a combination of of working, you know, with the actors in front of the camera and also fine tuning a, um, a visual style that can accentuate so much of the story and the emotional moments uh, very carefully without beating you over the head with it. And when they can find a way to, to make a, a joke pop a little bit more by playing the by pl playing it tight on somebody's face or whether they, it's a slow move to let something grow on you um, that we've been lucky to, to see so many of these past, these directors come through. That's I think that's one of my favorite parts of TV, you know, is is it's it, we're the number of people we get to work with in a given season is is so much and they all bring different gifts and talents to it and finding a way to unite all of those and let them build off of each other has been really fun in the new way of of i would say more re remote working other skill sets which a director will need to display to to make a better result you believe or? uh you know it's interesting with ted lasso you get something like uh it's it, so much of everything that we all have had to learn and work on and continue to build is our communication skills and our ability to articulate things um, whether it's a director working with our previs team to explain how a sequence is supposed to play without having any materials that they can point to or use in front of them, or getting that previs and putting it in front of the crew and going, now we have to build on this, you know, and getting everybody to talk through things that normally you would go on a scout and be somewhere and point to and act out and be in a space to work through. Between all the sources of content now, there's no there's absolutely no limit to what you can watch. And uh, one last question, how do you keep up with all of the demands now for content? How does Hollywood, how does the community create the amount of content that's being demanded by all these new new streaming services and, and, the, and the regular studio purchases? Um, you don't sleep a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, that's, it's, it's a, it is around the clock, you know, whether it's, you know, you're seeing scripts come out at all hours of the night. You're seeing cuts come out all hours of the night. You know that you talk to actors that are getting up extra early to prep based off of those hours, you know, and everybody, I think there's a hunger, especially right now coming out of this last year and an appreciation for the fact that we still get to do this and that we still get to, to play in these spaces and build these sandboxes for, for people to really explore these characters and these worlds and, uh, we're also excited to get back to it in whatever way we can that uh, is everybody's ready to rock whatever whatever they got to do yeah well it's a it's a busy time Rami well I think the appetite seems to be unabated um, I just read some statistics on HBO Max right they they grew uh, unexpectedly more than they even thought this this human appetite for storytelling i think has exceeded everyone's expectation and the only way it's going to be sustainable is essentially the curiosity of young people right there's not enough people to occupy all the productions especially the indigenous productions that are happening all around the world um so us communicating sharing um, sometimes hopefully sharing things that are ins inspirational or interesting to young people who would look at our industry as a place where they want to live and be is 
the only thing that can sustain it because there's not enough traditional um, creators to keep up with the demand. So it would have to be new people coming in. Well, it, it is remarkable to get a show done at all. To get a show that has 20 Emmy nominations is remarkable, but listening to you guys talk and, and how you've partnered, it's a great example as to why this show has done so well for such a young show. Good luck September 19th at the Emmy Awards. I have a feeling both of you are going to hear your favorite show's names called out a few times. So thank you, Kip. Thank you, Ronnie. Guys, thanks so much. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Wim, uh, what a season we have had. Our Absolutely. next show is going to be in August at CinemaCon at Caesars Palace. But what are your thoughts about all the guests that we've had in, in the last few months? We've had a director. We've had post-production folks. We've had yeah. producers, yeah. cybersecurity experts, executive recruiters, cinema managers. What comes to mind when you think back on all these conversations? Well, we started with an idea that a podcast would be an interesting forum to uh, talk about innovations, talk about how people have anticipated uh, the COVID challenge, right, which it was for the industry. And I think looking on the outside now or looking after it, everybody has been able to bring, I think, a very passionate conversation. Uh, everybody in his way, in his function has done something cool, something new, something different. Uh, and I think that that it's a very, I believe, positive, forward-looking, you know, series of conversations we had. And I also hope our audience enjoyed it very much. It was very diverse, right? It wasn't like just one subject, but it's clearly an industry, I believe, which is taken on the challenge and and did something with it, right? And on on every angle and every corner, and and that's really what at least gives me a lot of energy that will show sustainability of the industry even though a lot of things have been changed and will continue to be different. There was a there was a through line, and you mentioned passion, which I think is a perfect word for this. Uh, people like being challenged, and, uh, and, and people that we talked to were jumping into the challenge. They were leaning into the challenge. And it seemed to me we had guests who really enjoy their work, that really enjoy the the calling that they've had. I think it, it's like when you talk with top athletes, right? And I think w when you are that level, I think if passion isn't there, I believe, then then you can't perform that way. So I think what, what was enjoyable is that that passion is is synonymous with success, right? Because, and, and that's that for me was great to feel when the industry is a little bit, you know, depend how you look at it, you know, people talk down about it or say, oh, it's gonna be different, it's gonna be negatively changing. What this podcast was really showing is exactly like you said, Jim, passion, but success. And I think that, that that's really an encouraging takeaway, I believe, of, of the podcast. And, and I think we only had 12 plus people or 14 or people we, we talked to. I think there's a ton of other people, I think, as passionate as that. So, uh, so that's great to see. Our second season is going to kick off, as we mentioned, from CinemaCon in Las Vegas in August. And so to get ready for that, we are thrilled today to have a new segment on the show. Absolutely. It's our chance to check in on Las Vegas and the state of the entertainment and hospitality industries there. Our Vegas insider is Matt Kanegi. He served as a governor for the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood and has also served in senior marketing and entertainment positions at both Caesars Palace and the Venetian. He joins us live from Las Vegas. Welcome, Matt. Mr. Chabin, how are you, my friend? 
I'm, I'm really, really good and, and excited about getting out to see you guys here in, uh, in a few weeks. We're thrilled to have you on the show to kind of be our sync uh, gear for Las Vegas and kind of keep our listeners up to speed of what's going on there. So real quickly, what is the status of uh, Vegas right now with COVID? Yeah, no, th- thanks for the question. I think, um, boy, it was weird shutting down casinos last year, wasn't it? Yeah, casinos yeah. uh, 24-7, and then all of a sudden they shut for the first time, some of them for the first time in 60 years. I think Vegas was uh, was was full steam ahead here. I think everything was reopened. Uh, you know, entertainment had started again. Uh, Allegiant Stadium was hosting major concerts in anticipation of you know football, and and everything's still moving ahead. But of course, we've got this this Delta variant that uh, seems to be out there that's that's causing a few issues. In fact, uh, yesterday here, uh, they issued a mask mandate indoor for people who are vaccinated or not vaccinated. Uh, I think you know as a, as a precaution to prevent the spread. But look, hopefully this is just a, a blip on the screen and, and just a delay because you know, Vegas was, was certainly back in motion. Conferences are coming back. Uh, uh, individual travelers, just people who want to get out and have fun and get out of their house after being there for a year, that they were all coming back. So, Well, we've got uh, the CinemaCon Convention, which is the National Association of Theater Owners. It's where all the theater management come together, the studios to look at the slate for the movies that are ahead, and that's that's August. What's the status of the convention center and conventions? Everything seems to be full steam ahead right now uh, as we sit today. Of course, things can change, but you know we've had some conventions back already, some pretty pretty major ones, and uh, I haven't heard of any issues. Um, uh, really, it's it's you know people obviously, you know some people are still wearing masks and back to normal, and obviously everybody will be wearing masks now, but. Um, you know, by and large, it's felt for the first time in a long time normal. Like when I walk into a casino or into a restaurant, it, it feels very much like it did before. And I think we're going to take a little bit pause back with masks. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's the only uh, step Las Vegas has to take right now. For a couple of years now, every time we visit Vegas, there is uh, this amazing dome on the skyline that's the new Madison Square Garden. Ooh, the sphere. The sphere on the on the on the strip. Where is the sphere? And and. It's open 2023, but what is that going to be? That is, uh, I, I am so anxious to see a show and a, a performance in the sphere. So it's a 17,500 seat venue that, you know, you know, if you've seen pictures of it, it's amazing. The outside of it is is uh, LED. It can look like whatever you want it to. It's the biggest, you know, spherical structure in the world from my understanding. And, you know, you could make it look like the earth. You can make it look, look like a giant red marble. You can make it look like whatever you want. Uh, but the inside is has specialized acoustics that I don't think have ever been done before. So if I want a specific audience member to hear a specific thing, like I believe they have the ability to do that. So uh, it is going to be really interesting to see, you know, one, just built for musical performances and theatrical performances. But, you know, two, how that how that building can be used for other things, even conventions and product launches and things like that. But I, I'm excited to see it. It seems like it's going to be the place you want to do a concert if you're a performer and the place you want to see a, a performance if you're a, a fan. I think so. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, latest technology, latest sound technology. I think it's specifically built for that, right, in my opinion. So, you know, you could host them. There's plenty of arenas in town, right? And I, look, I just saw a concert at Allegiant Stadium two weeks ago. I saw Garth okay, Brooks. Okay, how was the concert? Phenomenal. Like, yeah. F- unbelievable. Yeah, it was I was telling my friends, it's very strange. Like before COVID, 
sitting with 65,000 people was a normal thing, right? You go to a concert, you have a great time, 60,000 of your closest new friends. And uh, to me, it was surreal, but surreal in a good way. It's almost like, I almost felt like I've never seen this many people together before, which is totally not true, but it felt that way after being apart for so long. Mm -hmm. But performance was great. Mm -hmm. Was there an energy... Was there an energy in the audience because everybody had been so separate? Oh, yeah. Here's and Garth, Garth is so Garth is so good yeah. at getting the, you know, the crowd fired up to begin right. with. So it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of energy. In and there. that was at Legion Stadium. Tell us about the stadium. Uh, stadium's fantastic. It, it, even if you're not a Raiders fan, you're going to have to check it out for a football game or check it out for a UNLV game or a number of special events. Uh, WWE SummerSlam is going to be there in a couple weeks. Uh, but just, you know, be great major event venue in Vegas when you, you know, have a need for 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 fans uh, or more. Um, latest technology, the end zones, in fact, you'll never see this anywhere else, but Vegas, one of the end zones has a, like a nightclub lounge set up in it where you can get bottle service. Like, you know, that's never During been done football before. football game. Yeah, it's a new, yeah, uh, yeah it's the new, uh, like the new black hole, right? Except for the Raiders, except it's a, a lounge setup. But um yeah, seating's really comfortable. It's perfectly climate controlled, but we could get all the natural sunlight into the building. Uh, one end of the the stadium is actually uh, opens up too, so it opens right up to the Vegas Strip, so you can see the skyline uh, of the city, of the Strip skyline uh, during a game or an event. It's fantastic. If you look out at the next year, you've got a whole bunch of people that have got money in their pocket and travel and getting out and, and partying is kind of something that everybody wants a piece of. Are you looking, I mean, is Vegas looking really good for the next year as far as economic recovery? I mean, I think so. And I think the, the, the properties and the, the companies that operate on the strip are, are being smart in how they're looking at future advancements, whether it's technology um, or, you know, getting experiences directly to you in home or on your phone, or, you know, continuing to build Vegas, uh, into what it is, which is largely experiential. Uh, and, and they're really investing in a lot of those, uh, those avenues right now. And, uh, I just see, you know, as long as we get through this and we get through the fall and there's, you know, there's no major issues again with COVID, I think sky's the limit for Vegas. I mean, we've never seen more, you know, once we open back up, I think leisure demand to come to Vegas and have a good time. And I think, you know, let's think about working remotely too, right, Jim? Like if you're working remotely, you need more reasons to bring people together for meetings or conventions or things like that. So you actually could see each other face to face. I think Vegas is well positioned for that. I think we just, uh, we have a little bit of, of, you know, pain to go through here, hopefully just in the short term and um, we'll continue that trajectory upward, but yeah, super excited yeah. about it. Great, great. Well, Matt, we'd love to uh, check in with you on a regular basis. So thanks for making the time today. I'm sure we'll be talking when we see you in Vegas in a few weeks for CinemaCon. And um, thanks a million for coming on. Oh, thank you, Jim. To, to all the listeners, best podcast in the world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wim, what a great season we have had. We have listeners in Valencia, Spain, in London, and in Berlin, mm. India, Vancouver, and Montreal. And then all across the, the U.S., yep. from Dallas and Richardson, Texas, to Kansas City, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Atlanta, San Francisco, Portland, and even Montana. So thank you all for listening. It's, it's made this a real joy. No, I think it's been a fantastic uh, cooperation on that, Jim, and, and, and thanks for, for all the hard work and the whole crew of, of making the end result uh, sound great. But, but I think it's also something which you can... I would say, consume in a time like this, right? When people have time, you can't travel uh, as much as you could do. 
but people have time and, and listening to, to something which we get then exciting, passionate stories from, from people have something to say. I think that that's, that's I believe, what, what, what is helpful. Uh, and that is making this, this podcast meaningful, I think. So, so grateful for our listeners. As we close our first season, we want to especially thank our AIS and Cineonic teams with our quote of the day, which comes from basketball great Michael Jordan. He says, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. Thank you all, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Join us at CinemaCon as we broadcast from Cineonic World in the Roman ballrooms at Caesars Palace. August 23rd through 26th. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Piltzecker in Los Angeles. Brett Harrison produced today's show and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS. <laughs>